and you thought, this is horrible. And then they, if that was their first day in Canada, they woke up this morning, they looked outside, and they saw a bright, sunny sky and nothing, no snow falling. If they didn't know better, they'd probably think, oh, it's finally warm. <laughs> because we're, and normally, when you wake up and it's clear and sunny, your thought is, oh, it must be warm outside. But as soon as they step outside, wham, revelation would tell them that as soon as you see a sunny sky in February, stay inside. Why? Because they, something was revealed to them. You get the idea? So that's, I, it's funny that I use this picture. This is the picture I decided to use wait a month ago for this series. But it's just funny that it fits with what it actually looks outside today. So we're going to talk about having a fresh revelation. Let's go back to the first verse I used in the beginning in the Fresh Start um, series. The first uh, verse comes from... Um, Psalm, uh, Proverbs 29, 18. Many of you are familiar with it, normally in an older version, but it says, Where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Uh, those of you who are a little bit older or have been around in churches that have older versions will remember uh, where there's no vision, the people perish. Okay? It's a, just a fancier way of saying the same thing. So, um, now, remember, Proverbs was written by who? Mostly, anyway, was written by Solomon, right? Who was a wise person. And uh, all the other things in there that were, are wise sayings. And this is what he's basically saying in his context. Where there's no leadership, where there's no understanding, people will just go crazy. People will just lose sight of themselves. People will just do whatever they're going to do to survive. Okay? And actually, I actually believe that this present society we live in is a perfect summation, perfect example of this first half of this verse. We ha I'm, I, I don't, I'm not particularly, I'm not particularly, I'm not being negative on uh, politicians or leaders. I, I, I don't pick either side. Never from this pulpit will I tell you who I vote for or who you should vote for. I don't believe in doing that. Um, but I, I do believe that we lack leadership in our world at a very, very meaningful level. Um, whereas our leaders, and this isn't new, it's not any different uh, than when kings and queens and emperors were running the world. I think we thought things were getting better, but the truth is it doesn't seem to be. Uh, there seem to be a lot of selfish people kind of running the show. And um, so what happens is society kind of just goes nuts. And so sometimes we look at the world and say, what's going on? I think it's really because there's no leadership, there's no vision, there's no revelation. Put that aside. Actually, forget the societal issue. When we look at our own personal lives, I feel a lot of times when we find ourselves in chaos or in a mess or feel like our lives aren't going in a good direction, it's often because we lack revelation. We lack understanding. We don't have a good vision of where our life is going. And usually it's because we've become, become there's a fancy word now I'm going to use called unmoored. Anybody know what that means? Unmoored. Okay, it's a fancy word. Who, everybody ever driven a boat? Anybody ever driven a boat? No, nobody's, we're such West Islanders that people don't even go on boats here. Come on, we're <laughs> surrounded by water, All right? You know when you, you take your boat to the dock and then, you, and then you, you, you take a rope and there's like a big metal thing there, I don't know what that's called even, and you put the rope around it so that if, yes, so that if the boat were to try and float away, it couldn't because it's tied, it's moored to the dock, Okay. But what ends up happening is if you forget to tie the rope or something happens to the rope, the boat just floats off in chaos and in any direction and eventually crashes. That's what happens when we disconnect ourselves from the revelation giver or the one who gives revelation. Of course, which is God. We're in a church for goodness sake, right? Then we become unmoored. And so what happens in the ocean of life, 
You've got billions of people unmoored, constantly crashing into each other because everybody's unmoored. And then we crash into somebody else and we go, hey, what's your problem? And they're like, I don't know, I'm unmoored too. I'm just trying to find my way. And then bang, another person comes. And then bang, another person comes. And then, and then we're all screaming, yelling at each other. And then our leadership who could say, okay, everybody, uh, come back to dock and we're going to go out there with tugboats and help you out. They're too busy being unmoored themselves. Okay? And so we find ourselves, we have, people are just doing whatever they can do to survive. It says, blessed is the one who heeds its wisdom's instructions, and we're going to get there. So we need revelation or we get lost. You know, what, you know what we don't need more of? Those of you who are younger will really get this one. We don't need more Instagram quotes. You ever, you ever seen that? Anybody's on Instagram or Facebook, you know, people post these things that are supposedly inspirational, and it's always like, you know, uh, I, I, you know, it's funny because people say them all the time, but it's always like little, little silly things. Like, I'm going to make one up right off the top of my head, you know. Um, People who persist have the best life. It's like, okay. Yeah, that's true. And then people are like, so true. You know? And like we're all passing each other. Or we end up doing fads. I mean, listen, anybody who's old enough to know anything, how many diet fads have been around since you were born? Let's, you know, let's name a few. What's the big one right now? Keto, right? Keto is the big one. But remember Atkins? Remember paleo? Remember when everybody had to eat bran? You know, there's a, there's a hilarious video on the internet. I, want you guys, I, won't, I won't let you watch it because it's got a lot of swearing in it. But my friend showed it to me. And it's a guy, he's time traveling. It's a, it's a, it's a scientist from now. He, he starts in 2000, and he keeps on going back in time to his parents and telling them what not to eat in the 70s. They're just eating fried bread and eggs. And he keeps going, no, don't eat eggs! And then he comes back later and he goes, wait, no, no, you can eat the eggs, just the, the white part only, not the middle part. Then he goes back and then he comes back, no, wait, we were wrong. You can eat the middle part, but not the white part. And eventually his parents just say, can you just leave us alone? We're going to eat whatever we want to eat. Right? Because we, we're constantly learning. We're constantly growing. Right? We don't need marketing slogans. We don't need fads. We don't need special books. Who, who remembers The Secret? Remember that one? Remember that book? Everybody swore by that book. 10, 15 years ago. Do you remember the prayer of Jabez, Christians? Right? A whole book based on half of a verse. A whole book based on half of a verse that had nothing to do with what the book was about. And anybody who knew anything in the Bible could read it and go, what is this guy talking about? But we all got caught up in it because we lack revelation, we lack understanding that comes from God. Okay, we're relying on the wisdom of men. Which is ironic because here I am, a man, talking to you, trying to share wisdom, but I don't want you to hear my wisdom. I want you to hear whatever from what I say that's from God be revealed to you. The rest is just garbage. Okay, we're going to talk a bit more about that in a minute. So that's what the world needs. So as individuals, we face life. It, life cannot be handled by Instagram quotes or fads or diets or ideas or even uh, gurus. And I don't mean just gurus of the religious type. I mean marketing gurus. You know, those of you who are on LinkedIn, how many, and if you're on LinkedIn, Every, I, I laugh my head off. If there are so many life coaches out there trying to teach business people how to live, I'm like, how could you possibly have that many life coaches? There's not enough people for the amount of life coaches there are. It's ridiculous. And people are paying thousands of dollars to attend a seminar to hear a life coach tell you, act like an adult. Do your taxes. Exercise. Go to work on time. People are being thousands. We already talked about that, right? So that's not, actually what the life coaches are sharing is wisdom, but you don't need all that. It's all there for you. We're going to get into that, okay? So 
Who has more wisdom than God? That's a good place to start. And where did God have his ideas written down? The Bible. So that's where we're going to look at. So let's look at Paul, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to go through what he says here. Um, Put up the next one, but don't get lost because I'm not starting here. Okay, but this is I'm starting here, but we're going to keep on going. I mean, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay, stop. That sounds good. So Paul is saying, hey, when I'm praying for you, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? He's about to get into why, because he knows when you have that, you don't need other stuff. Okay? But why does he want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Why does he want us to have it? Why did he want the church of Ephesus to have it? So that you may know him better. Who? God. Not for any other reason. Okay? And as a Pentecostal people, we're going to touch on this in a minute, we have to be careful that we don't seek the gift of the understanding and spirit of wisdom and revelation for any other reason than to know God better. So that when you know God better, all the other stuff falls into place. Okay? That's what we're going to look at in a minute. So the Spirit of God brings what? Wisdom and revelation. Right? Revelation. We've got to talk about that word for a moment. What is revelation? What's the secret word hidden inside revelation? Reveal. Right? All right. If I'm revealing something to you, I am not showing you something that didn't exist before. Important. Important. Especially Pentecostal people with preachers who are always preaching a different gospel. Hear it again. If something is revealed to you, then something is being shown to you that was already there, you just didn't see it yet. You got it? It's very important you understand that. Okay? So, the Spirit of God brings wisdom and revelation, and to know God better. That's right. So, when you want to get revelation, what do you learn? You learn more about God. So, when we learn more about God, what do we learn? Watch now. He goes into a a bit of a tirade about it. Okay? Let's go. Uh, Actually, don't it's not up there. He says, Ephesians 1, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Okay, stop. We're going to go back to my, I've been preaching about this for years. So he says, first of all, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Huh? How many of your hearts have eyes? I hope not. You need to go to the hospital right now. Okay? But it's a metaphorical statement, which we all understand. Because when something from God is revealed to you, you don't understand it like mathematics. It's something you feel in your spirit. So the Bible, when it uses the word heart, it's not talking about your heart muscle. It's talking about who you are, your innermost being. Okay? Your spirit. And so he's saying, I pray that your eyes, your spirit may see that you may know what. So when God reveals to you who he is and what he's doing and what he's about, what he wants, the things that you couldn't see before that he now shows you, here are the things that he wants you to understand. You ready? The hope to which he has called you. So God has called you to hope, not to fear, not to doubt, not to distraction, not to a hundred other things you could be of. God has called you to a place of hope. Stop for a second. Okay? I want you to get this. 
God called who to a place of hope? Who did God call to a place of hope? I don't want to hear us. I want to hear you say it. Who did God call to a place of hope? Yeah, you individually. So what's, sometimes it's so easy to say, I know for sure sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, they're called to a place of hope. My, my, my life is such a mess. I've done this. I've done that. This has happened. This has happened. So I can't be called to a place of hope. Uh-uh. We're going to keep on going. God called us all to a place of hope, to the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That sounds nice, right? We're not talking about money, right, folks, here? Okay, but saying that in God, the inheritance we have as children of God is incomparable, and his incomparably great power, we all, I think we can all be okay with that. If we believe God even in the slightest, we can, we can all be comfortable with the idea of God's very powerful, right? Okay, for those who believe, right? Remember before I said, who's it for? So do you believe this morning? If you believe this morning, all the things I just read to you are yours. God reveals these truths. You're called to a place of hope. You're called to share in his richest, glorious inheritance. And you're called to, uh, and his uh, great power is for who? Who is it for? Yeah, you, me, whatever, everybody. So then we, you've probably heard this before if you've been going to church long enough. The power that we're talking about. So the great power. For those who believe, the power, it says, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, which is including now. So the power that God makes available to us is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what it's saying. And it lives in us. Okay? And remember, now Jesus now, remember I talked about what wisdom you look for, what revelation you look for. He is far above all rule and authority. Not somewhat above, not placed above, far above. I use this example a lot with you folks, but I'm going to remind you again. Imagine all of existence and all of rule and all of power and every government and every army and every smart person and every rich person and everybody of us are in this box right here. Jesus is not at the top of the box. He's not even in the box. He's not even just above the box. He's so far above it that the box is irrelevant. Okay, so Jesus isn't just better than, he's immeasurably better than anything, anyone you could ever imagine. It doesn't mean that the governments we have now or the people we have now or the smart people we have now are useless. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean we discount them. It just means we understand in context. They are helpful. They can be nice. They can be kind. They can be useful. But they are nothing compared to Jesus. Okay, and so... Every power, every authority, it says, every dominion, every name that is invoked is got nothing on the power of Jesus, right? How many times have people come to try and speak up against the Lord Jesus Christ? It doesn't end well for anybody because his power is immeasurable. You, me, that person over there, he wants, uh, all of us can experience this power, okay? Let's jump now to... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to slow down a little bit now. Paul says this. Um, just, yeah, there we go. But that'll be later, but here we go. Paul says this. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
So the reason I'm starting here is this. It's very important to understand. When, when Paul was a preacher, an apostle, and he, apostles bring vision, they bring revelation to people. Okay? And now Paul knew a lot of things. He was highly intelligent, highly educated, and he could have bamboozled a lot of people with his words. He was very well spoken, all that stuff. But he says, listen, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence. I didn't use big words. I wasn't using human wisdom. All I wanted you to know was about Jesus and him crucified. Okay, now we're going to get into it, this even more soon, but I want you to grasp this really important. So as you talk about getting, your, as you live and you get your own revelation from God, or you're trying to encourage other people to get revelation, remember this. All you, we should really want people to understand, or at least the starting point, is that Jesus Christ is Lord, He's Savior, He died, he came, for, he came from heaven to save us from our sins, He died on the cross, He rose again on the third day, and He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and He's coming back again. Okay? That's the starting point. As Paul says here, I could talk about a million things Paul is saying, but I want to talk about Jesus and Him crucified. So when people start coming and saying, oh, I've received a revelation, and it's not about Jesus Christ and Him crucified, your first answer should be, what makes you better than Paul? What makes you think that I need something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's dangerous. Okay? So Paul, the greatest, let's say, from our ranking, one of the greatest apostles of all time, he's saying, listen, all you need to talk about is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul never even, remember, Paul literally got the gospel preached to him by Jesus. The resurrected Jesus preached the gospel to, to Paul, he had this amazing, miraculous revelation, and he's not going, I, Paul, want to take you all on my spiritual journey. Come on a cruise with me in the Mediterranean, and then we'll fly to Damascus, and we'll go out in a camel, and everybody will receive their own vision from heaven. That's exactly what would happen now. That's exactly what would happen now. Come to Damascus with me. We'll walk where Paul walked, and we'll meditate and wait until we get a blinding light vision. Right? Paul could have said that. Oh, the way I got it is because I was praying and fasting and whatever. No, he says, I'm not none of that garbage. I want to talk to you about Jesus and him crucified. So he says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So here we are again. He's saying, listen, this isn't about human wisdom. This isn't about agreeing with something that you're hearing somebody saying. This is about God's power. You know, so when God moves and God does miraculous things and God heals people, that we say, listen, this is what God is. This is the power that we're talking about. Amen? I was telling this story the other day uh, about someone here who had never really done that before. And when we prayed and then the thing went away, they were kind of like, oh. Right? Oh, that's what God does. Yeah, that's what God does. I have no, we should have no other interest than preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified and demonstrating the power of God through love, right? Amen? Amen. We don't need clever words, we need truth. Now, hold on now. Ready now? Paul shifts gears a little bit. So you ready? Those of you, especially if you've been in church a long time, you think we all know it, right? Okay, we do, however, Paul says, speak of message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time be 
Gan. Okay, remember when we went back to the first one where the people have no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who what? Heeds wisdom's instructions, right? And here he goes, however, we speak a message of wisdom among the mature. So maybe you've been in church a long time. Maybe you've been serving the Lord a long time. But the wisdom that we talk about is not the wisdom of this age, okay? We declare God's wisdom. This is now a mystery that has been, what? Hidden, right? So if it's been hidden, how do we find out? How do we find out what it is? It gets what? Revealed. By who? By who? Not me. Who? Who reveals it? Don't worry, you literally cannot be wrong here. Please, there's no way you can be wrong, right? Who reveals it to us? Yeah, God reveals it to us. He says at that time, none of the rulers of the age understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, right? He's saying at the time, they didn't get it. And I don't think much has changed, you know? Not much has changed. Um, you know, the Bible talks about that people think the cross is foolishness, you know? Um, I know that some of the most um, critical people uh, of the Christian gospel will mock uh, the story of Jesus and talk about uh, zombie Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard that. People will mock it and be like, oh yeah, he rose from the dead, he's zombie Jesus. Oh, John's read the same thing I've read. Uh, he, he's laughing because he knows he's seen that one, right? And they still, to this day, they don't, they don't get it. But you know why? We shouldn't look at them and, and, and accuse them or get angry with them. What is, why are they thinking that? Because they haven't got what? Revelation. So, in fact, you could say, it's, a, it's like, what? It's, what? What happened? What happened? I don't understand. They don't have revelation. Okay? And so, we've got to be careful when we're dealing with unbelievers, just as a, a side note, that we don't treat their misunderstanding or their unbelief as something that we have to defeat. Okay? Ready for me? Especially parents. If you've got kids who aren't really following the Lord, or family members, you don't defeat unbelief, okay? You pray that God gives them revelation. You see, because if they get a revelation from God, you don't need to say anything. What you need to worry about is how you're living in front of them. That's it. That's the biggest thing. If you're living in front of them the way that God wants you to live, then you worry about God revealing. Because let me tell you, when God comes in and reveals himself to them by the Holy Spirit... You think that anything you ever could have said will be as persuasive as a God himself speaking to someone and saying, here I am, I'm the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in me? How many of you remember that moment when you understood that Jesus Christ was your Lord and Savior? Anybody remember that moment? Did you need an, did you need a, did you need an essay? Did you need a book? Did you need somebody to come and explain? It, the Holy Spirit of God just, wham! The eyes of your heart were open and you were like, I get it. A revelation came from God. No human could... I, I was first saved at, at, a, at a service where a, a great dear preacher uh, sort of family was preaching. His wife just passed. Remember Mrs. Morris? His, he was preaching. The, the husband, David Morris, was preaching. And his preaching... I remember at one point, at the beginning, his preaching was persuasive, but then I, I didn't hear... I didn't even know what he was... After a certain point, I didn't know what he was talking about anymore. Because I could feel the Spirit of God just speaking to me, speaking to my heart. And I began, it didn't matter what he was saying. It didn't matter what my parents said. It didn't matter what my friends were doing. I didn't care anymore. At that moment, it was me and God. All of the universe stood still. And I knew at that moment that the thing I grew, I grew up in church, guys. I went to church all the flipping time when I was little. 
all the time. I can't even tell you how much I went to church when I was little. If you guys had to go to church as much as we did when we were little, nobody would go to church. Okay? But that didn't save me. It didn't reveal anything to me. It might have prepared me for a few things, but it didn't reveal anything to me. It wasn't until I made... I mean, probably if you would ask me when I was eight years old, I would have said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, because I was told to by my Sunday school class. Okay? But at some point, I can't remember if I was 10 or 11, something happened at a church camp. I would have been... I was 10. It was 1988. In the summer of 1988, something happened. A revelation came, and I didn't care. I didn't, at that moment, my parents could have said, well, we're not Christians anymore. We're leaving the church. And I would say, well, have a nice day. Take a hike. Because something spoke to me. God revealed it to me. No human wisdom, nothing could have, could, have, could have done that. And I know a lot of you have had that experience before. Some of you might be sitting here and going, well, I've never had that experience. I've got a perfect time for you to have that experience right now. And it's not by hearing what I'm saying that's going to do it. The Holy Spirit of God, the Bible actually tells you that the Holy Spirit of God is always calling out to people. Always saying, here I am, follow me. Always, right now, as I'm talking. He never stops and he's speaking to you now. And we're, we're almost there now. It says, however, it is written, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by the Spirit. Okay? You can't even, I can't even begin to describe how good God is to us. I could start listing off things and it wouldn't even come close. We could spend all afternoon just trying to come up with ideas. It won't even come close. These are the things that God revealed to us. And so God shows us these things. We know them to be true in our heart. We know them to be true in our mind. And it becomes amazing. Amen? Amen. Now, <clears throat> I always do this, but I don't want to dampen the parade. But I want to give you one word of warning, especially as Pentecostal Christians today. There is a danger uh, that exists in the church, and it always has. It used to have a fancy name, and now we don't really call it anything, but that word is Gnosticism. Okay, and I want to explain what that means. Gnosticism is a, was a religion that grew out of Christianity, um, and it still exists today. We just, unfortunately, often gets called Christianity. Gnosticism is fancy. It means special knowledge. Okay, and so it'll be Christians who claim special knowledge God revealed something to me that he hasn't told other people. And then they gather people to themselves. Okay? Now, instead of picking on somebody, I always use the same example. So I will say something like, uh, the Lord has spoken to me and he's told me that his true followers wear yellow pants. Okay? You all giggle, but it's as crazy as believing some things that people believe. Okay? And his true people wear yellow pants because in 1 Chronicles 16, the yellow whatever pants are mentioned and that's why we also wear yellow pants i just made something up you think that's funny i bet you there's a church out there that does this okay and so i start gathering and people will go you're crazy my father says you're crazy you say i'm crazy but four people go you know what i'm i you're right yellow pants it's all about yellow pants right and we believe all the other things everything else is the same but we get really dogmatic about yellow pants and God told us, not you, you don't have the revelation. So then we start getting mm, superior in ourselves. Yeah, it's like poor Jim, he doesn't understand the revelation of the yellow pants. Okay? But then Jim feels left out. Jim wants to hang out. So Jim goes, you know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Me too, I got the revelation of the yellow pants. And he goes and he buys his yellow pants. Okay? And then it grows and it grows. And we build a movement around revelation. Okay? 
Now, we've got to be careful because the revelation we get from God does not pull us away from fellowship, does not pull us away from the church, does not pull us away from standard teaching, okay? It's still, la- it's still laughable today that people are coming up and saying, oh, I found out something new. It's like, really? Really? You, don't, you, you think that you've, 2,000 years of church history, and you, my friend, you found a thing that none of us could find. You know, first of all, that's pretty cocky got to be impressed a little bit by their cockiness but they be careful and invariably folks i can tell you this i'm only 41 but i can tell you every movement that starts like that crashes and burns over and over and over again and all that ends up happening is that people walk away from the faith people get hurt people get burned out all because of special knowledge so revelation is not special knowledge revelation is revealing what was already there Okay, I, I, I hate to pick on this one, but I'll go back. You know, I don't know the man, so I, I'm not going to judge his heart. Actually, I think he passed on. But the man who wrote Prayer of Jabez. The church at that time, I can tell you, I was a teenager. I was in my parents' house. I remember speaking to somebody about it, and I stood up. Because I said, no, we cannot base a whole movement, a whole book, a whole teaching on half of a verse. Okay, I had a man in my house telling me that because of the Prayer of Jabez, he was claiming that God was going to give him a, a Gulfstream jet to do mission works in Cuba. Okay? Now you see, it sounds good, right? Can God give you enough money enabled to get a jet to do missions work? Doesn't that sound like a lovely thing? All of those things are true and possible. But standing on half of a verse that some guy said was a special revelation, that, that whatever, do you see the weakness in that? Instead of saying, Lord, you know, first of all, the gospel is paramount, whatever. Instead of the gospel, it became, I'm, uh, because some of you are probably going, what the heck is he talking about? In the 90s, a book came out called The Prayer of Jabez. And there's a guy named Jabez in the Old Testament, okay? And at one point, you ever read the Old Testament, and it's everybody's names, and you have no idea what's going on? And it's like, Shebebeth begot Ugababath, and Ugabath begot Uka, and Uka begot Ogath, and Ogath begot Mugwa. Right? And you're like, I don't know what's going on here. And you're trying to read it, and all of a sudden it stops. And it says, so-and-so begot Jabez. And Jabez prayed that the Lord would enlarge his tents. And so God did, or something. That's all it was. Okay? Now, in those times, people had tents, of course, and the larger the tent you had, the more money you had, the richer you were, you know, whatever. You get it, right? And so a whole movement sprung out. God had revealed to us, all you got to do is, Lord, expand my tents. So, Lord, I want, I want to conquer this, I want to do that. So I want to do missions work in Cuba, Lord, and so give me a jet. I mean, okay? And people were standing on that. You see how they got completely distracted? And I can tell you, and you're laughing at that now, but I'm sure there's, I'm not even sure what's going on right now that's equivalent of that. But there's something going on right now in the church that's equivalent to that right? Never mind all these guys who apparently need private planes to fly everywhere. Uh, That's a whole nother discussion, okay? But I'm sure you be careful when people, especially those of us who are Pentecostal, reading books, watching preachers on TV, as soon as they start saying, oh, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a revelation that I'm not sharing to you, and it's like, it's kind of new or different, that should set off alarm bells in your head, okay? Really? Pastor, you're the first one, 2,000 years, you're the first one to figure this out? Paul didn't know, Peter didn't know, Jesus didn't even talk about it, but you figured this out. Bing, 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 bing. Okay? Be careful. What you want to hear is people saying, oh my gosh, 
I should have a new revelation of the love of God, the, 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 the wisdom of God. I have a new revelation of God's compassion, a new revelation of God. Well, this is something I want to hear. But be very careful of Gnosticism. And the reason I'm saying that is because it's very prevalent in the world today. Folks, I watch YouTube like you do. Okay? Be careful. YouTube preachers... I mean, I'm on YouTube preaching, and I'm not even sure about myself. Okay? So be careful about these other guys... And can I tell you, big following, little following, it doesn't matter. It can be equally disastrous. Okay? Be careful of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, what your kids are watching. Be very, very careful. Okay, so it goes on. This says, this is why. Now listen, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For, those, for who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. If I could sub that up, it's basically saying, who knows you better than you? Nobody. So who knows God better than God? Only God. And it's he that reveals the truth to us, okay, by his Holy Spirit. We will get that revelation. Okay, you ready for this? So what revelation does, revelation brings us information, that we probably didn't have at all before. Okay? Revelation brings you information. At first, when you're born again, you have this revelation, oh my gosh, the, the, the God is who he says he is, Jesus is who he said he is, the truth of Jesus Christ. But even as you begin to live for Jesus and live in life, you get sometimes new revelation. How many people here can say that you've been living for God and you were acting a certain way or doing a certain thing, but as you got older in the faith, God kind of spoke to you, revealed to you, actually, no, I want you to put that aside, or I want you to stop that, or I want you to start doing that. Anybody ever have that? Anybody ever have that experience? You know? It could be something really obvious, or it could be something small, you know? But it could be God reveals, he brings information, okay? And often that information is an education, okay? He'll say, he'll say to you, hey, that way you react to people, that way you're interacting with your family, the way you're doing that in your house, the way you're doing that at work, the way you're doing that at church. He's not, he's revealing to you, listen, you know what the word says, you know what the fruit of the spirits are. And he'll bring you to Galatians 5.22 and he'll show you the, the, the fruits of the spirit. And you'll go, oh, I see, I'm not, I, I feel that revelation that I had, I didn't even see that before. I didn't see before that the way I was reacting wasn't appropriate. And I see now by the light of the scripture and the way God's talking to me, I should put that aside and you grow. You get educated, right? So you get information, you get educated. But the biggest deal, my friends, when God reveals, are you ready for this now? God will reveal something to you. But the bigger deal than information and the bigger deal than education, can anybody guess what the most important part of revelation is? Anybody take a wild guess? It's application. Okay? Application. Applying what is revealed. And this is the hardest part, especially when you first come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because for a lot of you, you've been living your own way for so while, the Lord, you feel the Spirit talking to you about your own sin and your own need for, for a Savior, and you've got to put down your arms, you've got to put down uh, your way of living and say, God, I surrender my life to you. I get, you've got to apply it. It's not enough to just get the revelation. You've got to apply it in your life. You know, so the Lord says to you, hey, I want you to start doing this or maybe stop doing that. You've got to take that and actually apply it. And that can be the hardest thing sometimes. But it's important to realize if the spirit is speaking to us, what does that mean? We also have the spirit to help us accomplish what he's revealing to us. Amen.
goes on to say this. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Remember, we talked about that. And cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. Okay, so let's remind ourselves, Holy Spirit speaking to us. Only the Spirit people can understand what he's talking about. What does Holy Spirit do? What does he talk about? What does he do? What's his job? Anybody? So only my mom knows, okay? Read this in John 14 when Jesus was talking about the coming Spirit. Okay, I believe it's up there, guys. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So Holy Spirit is the revealer. It's the Holy Spirit who is the revelation bringer. And Holy Spirit is with us and he reveals to us what? He reveals to us Jesus and the things that Jesus said and taught. So I have a question for you. This is what Jesus said the Holy Spirit does. So if somebody comes to you and says the Holy Spirit's done something outside of this, what are we to say? We should at least question it. Because hold on, Jesus told me he's going to reveal the Father to me. He's going to reveal himself to me. He's going to reveal all of the teachings he said to me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. There are times when people won't understand, right? They think we're silly. They think we're crazy. Okay? I want to be very careful here, though. Two. Remember I made the yellow pants a silly thing. It's true that unbelievers often will say, oh, this thing, you say the Holy Spirit spoke to you, whatever, I don't understand it, it's silly. But as fellow believers, we should at least understand that God can do that, right? That God can speak to us. But I want you to do one thing for me, please. In my 20 years of leadership in church, roughly, there's one thing that has become my probably biggest pet peeve in all of Christian existence. And to be honest, it's usually only Christian leaders that say this, not the average Christian. But usually it's only Christian leaders. But let me tell you what it is. People who will have a discussion about something, and then they'll finish their sentence, whatever it is, or they'll start the sentence by saying, and I've used it before here, they'll say, God told me, and then they'll tell you something. Okay? God revealed to me, and then they'll tell you something. Can I just ask you to be, even myself, we have to be very careful when we use those words. Because okay? let me tell you something. If I go to Marina now and I say, listen, Marina, God told me. Right away, Marina's going, whoa. First of all now, I'm, my starting point is that God is saying this, not just me. Right? So Marina might, who knows, Marina might be excited. Maybe she thinks I'm telling her something good, or she might be worried. And if I start going, God told me, and then I start saying something negative, all of a sudden, Marina's not just arguing with me. She's arguing, at least what I think is, God, right? So we have to be very careful how we use that. Here's a suggestion for you. When you get an impulse, when you feel that God has revealed something to you, here's a really good impulse. Call somebody you trust, a leader, somebody you trust, and say, you know, I was praying the other day, and I felt the Lord saying something about this. What do you think about that? And let another leader go, let me pray about that and think about that. Isn't that a much healthier way to deal with Holy Spirit inspiration and revelation? Because, you know, sometimes, especially as Spirit-filled people, we can feel very inspired, but it's just a really good idea, or sometimes not such a good idea, okay? And we tag God onto it, and all of a sudden we've created an environment where it can cause conflict, okay? So, if you come to me and say, 
God revealed to me, I just feel so important that God told me I should tell everybody God loves them. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, knock yourself out. That's, it's, that's amazing. That's ironclad. You can't argue with that for sure. Go off. Do it. But if it's, you know, I was praying and God told me that I shouldn't go to church anymore. I should only do church at Tim Hortons and just yell about Jesus from the corner of the store, right? And if I start going, well, well, God told me, right? Okay, I guess, you know, and if my response is, well, God told me you're wrong, all of a sudden now we're having a God told me fight. Okay, you understand? That's why it's very important when we start saying, and now I don't want that to make you so scared that you never think like God is speaking to you. But if you're not sure, just call people you trust and talk about it. But you'll know mostly by what? If the Holy Spirit points us to what? Jesus and what he taught and what the word teaches and what God is teaching us, then obviously if it's around that sort of thing. So if someone simply says, well, God told me I don't need to go to church anymore. And you go, uh, yeah, but the Bible says you have to go to church. That wasn't God, right? Now somebody might go on living in their own rebellion and do whatever they want, but at least you can be like, hey, I know. Or someone came to me and said, well, you know, I was, I've been reading the scriptures, I've been studying, and the Holy Spirit revealed to me that Jesus wasn't fully God and fully man at the same time. He was only, this, is a, this is actually a real heresy that exists out there. He was God at, um, uh, most of the time, but on the cross he was only man, and then he was God after when he rose the dead. That's a real heresy that exists out there, okay? God revealed that to me. Well, sorry, it's not true, right? But God revealed it to me. Okay, that's nice, buddy, but it's not true. Okay? You see what I'm saying here? It's very important. Now, on the flip side, when people start doing gay revelation, saying, oh my gosh, I'm just, I've got a revelation of God's love. I want to share God's love. I want to pray more. I'm in the Word. I want to fellowship more. Yeah, you've got a revelation of God's love because that sounds like the Bible. That sounds like what Jesus said. Right? So the sniff test, as I always say, is easy. It's an easy sniff test. It's not hard. Does it point people towards Jesus? Does it point people towards fellowship and good deeds and love and ministry and works of ministry? Then yeah, it's the Holy Spirit revealing something to you. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's, let's come near the end now. Remember, we started this verse a couple of weeks ago when Peter was um, talking to Jesus. And Jesus, sorry, was talking to the disciples. And he said to them, hey guys, who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? Jesus said. And the disciples, I think, I don't know, I'm not there, but maybe they were trying to avoid the question at first. Like, well, the crowd says you're Abraham. Some think you're Elijah. Like, they start, they're going, those people over there say this, this, and the other. And he goes, guys, I'm not, I'm not asking about the crowd. Who do you think I am? And so Peter, now Peter, we know, if we know enough about Peter, Peter was a brash guy. Remember Peter cut off the soldier's ear? He was, uh, he was actually, actually Peter and Paul fought all the time. They actually got into fights because they were both so brash or whatever, okay? And so he's the first one, but he gets up and he says, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God, right? And Jesus says to him, bless are you, Simon of Jonah. By the way, Simon is Peter. Okay, Jesus changes his name here. This is why. Here, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven, by the Spirit. Right? So, the truth was always there that Jesus is the Messiah. The disciples couldn't see it at first. The Spirit revealed it to them. And so, Peter understood it. Okay? And Jesus is saying, hey, 
that wasn't, you didn't figure that out on your own. You figured that out because the Holy Spirit of God showed you. But they followed Jesus, they walked with Jesus, all that stuff. They were getting information, they were getting educated, but it wasn't until the Holy Spirit revealed it to him that he understood the truth. So I've got a question for you this morning. What revelation or revelations have you had? Have you ever had one? Did you get one today? Do you want one today? God, the Holy Spirit, is here right now. I know that because the Bible tells me. And he's always revealing what? Jesus. So that's what he's doing right now. In the spirit, if you will, God is speaking to, the, to our own spirits and he's saying, yes, yes, Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus did come on the cross and die and be resurrected after three days. Jesus did come to save humanity. Jesus did come to save us from our sins. Jesus did come to make it right. Jesus does come uh, uh, to, 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 to change the course of history. And the Holy Spirit is here and he's with us and he's revealing to us. What's he revealing to us? He's revealing his love. He's revealing his help. He's revealing his compassion on each and every person this morning. And you might be sitting there going, oh, I've got so much going on in my life. You don't understand. This is hard and that is hard and this. Hey, I know. You know? You ever had, I had one of those moments this morning in the shower where I remembered something I'd forgotten for two months. You ever had one of those panic moments? You know, here I am getting ready for church, getting ready for preaching, and then like a random life thing just pops me after two months. <gasps> I know life can do that. It doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change what he's done for us. Now I started talking today with that little story. Anybody who's Canadian looks outside today on a day of February and you see a clear sky and you see a sunny sun and you know, oh, ooh, it's cold. There's no way it can't be cold. Why? Because you know from your experience there's no way it can't be cold by the way it looks outside on a day like February. In the same way as a Christian, I'm telling you right now, I know from experience that there's no way that the Holy Spirit isn't talking to people right now. I've been around it my whole life. I told you before. I've seen it happen in a thousand different ways. I've seen it happen to me. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to people right now and is revealing Jesus to them. He's revealing his love to them. He's speaking to your problems right now. He's speaking to your fears right now. He's speaking to your doubts. And he's saying, you've you got to give those things to me. You've got to give those things to me. And the Holy Spirit is speaking. What does he speak? He speaks, remember, hope, right? Inheritance and power. So God is here to give you hope. He's here to remind you that in, you're, you're, you're his child and that you have his power on your side. So I wonder if you'll stand up with me this morning for a second. The Holy Spirit is here and he's speaking to people this morning. And you may, we, we've already prayed for people who are ill and, and that's a, another good way of applying uh, kind of what we're talking about this morning. But I believe that there's some people here that need a fresh revelation of who God is in their lives. Whether it's actually coming to faith in Jesus Christ for the first time, or whether it's just coming to a place where you understand that God actually moves in this way, that God does reveal himself to us in special and meaningful ways that are uh, not weird or out of the ordinary, but other people have experienced before, but something that you might want for yourself. So I wonder if you just close your eyes for a minute, because I want this to be a semi-private moment, because I'm looking. I want to know if there's anybody here this morning that you definitely you really need a revelation from God in one area of your life or for the first time ever. Could you just raise your hand and say, I really, I need a revelation from God. I need something, I need something 
I need what you were talking about this morning, Pastor Rich. I need something like that. I need a revelation. I need, some, I need a word from God. I need, I need God to speak into my life. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I swear, I promise you right now, as I was just speaking, I felt the Spirit of God drop a word into my, into my, into my spirit that actually God said, I'm, he's, he's doing it even if you don't want him to. I think there's some people right now, you don't have your hand up, and God is dropping his revelation into your spirit right now, even though you're trying to resist it. So I'd ask you to just open up your, your, your mind to Jesus right now. Open up your heart to Jesus right now. And if you need a revelation from God, could you just lift your hand up to the sky? What you're saying, to God, it's for God. It's not for me. You're lifting up your hand to God. You're saying, God, I don't care if anybody's looking at me. I don't care if what's going on. I feel the touch of your spirit this morning. I want to respond to you. I want to respond to the call of your spirit. I know that you're calling me to love Jesus more and to live for Jesus more. All that, And Lord, I need help. I need help in some area of my life. I need revelation. I need a light of revelation. I, I'm... Whatever it is, I sense some confusion and some fear in a lot of people. And I, you just need to know that God is with you and he's giving you hope and an inheritance. And we need to pray for, for the miraculous to take place in your life. You keep those hands up. Thank you, all those awesome people here. Hands up. Keep those hands up. And let's just pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for sending Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that Jesus came and he did what he did and he accomplished victory at the cross, Lord. Not just victory so that one day we could live in heaven, Lord, but that we might know victory today here on earth in our lives. And I pray for those folks who have their hands raised and even those maybe, Lord, who are struggling. They want to, but they're, they're kind of stuck in the middle. That you will reveal something to them today. Give them a revelation, Lord, of your love, of your compassion, of your hope, of the inheritance they have in you, and of their power, of your power, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those who are facing seemingly impossible situations, things that are tough, things that are confusing, things that are scary, things that are, Lord, just it's so tough, they almost feel like giving up. Lord, give them the power this morning to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Lord, give them the power this morning, Lord, to, to hand problems over to you, Lord, so that they'll see the resolution and the godly, Lord, solution to the problem in Jesus' name. I pray for those, Lord, who are having trouble uh, coming to grips, Lord, with understanding who you are and how you move in their lives, Lord. I pray that, Lord, they will understand, Lord, that when we give our lives to you, Lord, you fill us with hope. You fill us with love, Lord. And you will teach us which way to go. I pray that Holy Spirit will just be deposited in each and every heart here this morning, Lord, in a special way. Lord, we come against those uh, things, Lord, that would distract us. Lord, that would send us, Lord, looking in different directions. But Lord, we pray for your love and your fresh revelation in this house this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.